the, at the work center where it was last worked on, right? Kind of waiting for somebody to find it or, or maybe it's dropped in a staging area or a temporary whip area or something. Because remember all this, we, we talk about that being inventory, but it's really not that it, it's whip, right? That material is still whip. It's whip when it goes out, it's whip when it comes back. So it's not, it's hard to keep visibility of where that is. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Outside process management is a critical process for manufacturers. It's hard for them to run their operations without the support for this process. But you'll be shocked how many ERP systems don't support this process natively despite their claims that they all are designed to work for any industry. So what are the nuances when it comes to outside process management and how involved does it get across the industries? Can you manage it outside of the ERP? In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss outside process management best practices. We discussed the nuances and best practices of outside management processes and how they might vary in different industries. Finally, we discussed the overlap and boundaries of outside process management processes across systems and functions. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our digital transformation for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. We pick one topic related to digital transformation and we always have an expert panel that is willing to share their insights and uh, wisdom. For today, we have a very deep topic in the ERP world, and some people might be thinking, okay, what the hell is outside process? <laughs> but it could get really tricky, especially in manufacturing. So we are going to be talking about the importance of it and why it matters so much in the manufacturing situations, but we are also going to be discussing other industries as well. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Chris for his intro. Thanks, Sam. I'm the owner and CEO of Turnkey Technologies. We're a 28-year-old Microsoft Dynamics ERP implementation. So I look forward to the conversation outsourced. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. Mark, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Sam. Uh, my name is Mark Lilly, CEO and president of LillyWorks. Uh, we help manufacturers solve the late problem and certainly contributing in a major way to the late problem is uh, how manufacturers manage outside processes. So looking very much forward to that. Could not agree more. I think this is going to be outside late management as well. So we'll have a lot of fun discussing that. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Mark. Uh, Dave Dozer, and we have a Dave problem, by the way, today as well. <laughs> Dave Dozer, 
Yeah, yeah there, there's that pause waiting for which one of us you're going to call on first today. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned I'm Dave Dozer, the president at Blaze IT. We're a um, consulting firm um, specializing in Acumatica ERP systems and really focused on the manufacturing side of things. Been doing this for 20 years. Um, lots of headaches with outside processing. So really looking forward to the conversation today. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for uh, being here. And by the way, you guys need to decide who's going to be outside Dave problem and who's going to be inside Dave problem. <laughs> okay, so Dave Griffith, do you want to introduce yourself next? Uh, absolutely. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Dave Griffith. I run a company called Kaplan Solutions. Uh, we help companies, mostly manufacturing firms, go through sensible digital transformation, which my goal is to always create processes that pay for themselves. I am very much on the operations side, and most of the work that I do is, is on the OT side. So the non on carpeted floor. So I'm typically the guy yelling up into uh, up into the clouds uh, through some windows in some air conditioning at, uh, at these great folks on the other side of the conversation of, hey, the system doesn't work. Can we go fix it? And Dave, I have to tell you this. Uh, when system is not going to work for your outside process management, the yelling is always going to work. So thank you so much for bringing that. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, you know, if you're in the audience and joining for the first time, make sure you guys post your and comments. We try to cover them during the show. If you run out of time, our panelists are going to make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, Chris, I am going to start with the first question in terms of, uh, you know, setting the stage. And I don't know how many people really understand what outside process management means. So overall, from the business process perspective, uh, as well as why it matters so much, and uh, from the ERP perspective as well, if you want to touch a little bit. Chris? Absolutely. And I, I think you kind of tried to frame it to manufacturing, but I started off by looking at a current project landscape that I had, and I think I doodled 10, 10 or so outsourced partners that they have. And we can come back and domain it to manufacturing, but certainly they start their business by with the outsourced manufacturing, where they order or somebody orders and materials show up there and repackaging, and then they send them to a 3PL. But this material never comes into this business itself. Imagine that, just paper. But they have 50 retail stores, and we're moving moving all this around. But everything's outsourced. Payroll, I even wrote down maybe the CFO is for rent too. But even the e-com partner is a hosted, somebody's doing that. Even the integration tool, that's hosted, somebody's doing that. Point of sale vendor, hosted that. So it's a large supply chain manufacturing, and it's all, wow. So we're not going to solve that problem tonight, but uh, today. But uh, as you think about outsourced processing for manufacturing, you raise a important topic also is not all systems have the capabilities to manage the processes effectively. And I scribbled accounting, you know, and costing and reconciliation, they're nightmares. And if you don't do it right, you're, you're doing some other system. And I think that, you know, I'm selling ERP software, so I run into people and I'm like, first question is, who manages the engineering? Who's managing the component inventory? Who's buying it, replenishing it? Are you sending it to the outsourced manufacturer? And, and again, whether they're doing all of it, there's all those questions. Let's assume they're doing all of it first because they may only do one piece of a process. And the mark's going to go down that rabbit hole, so I'm not going to do it. But um, but they maybe they're doing all of it. They don't do any of it, right? So it all shows up there, but managing the engineering, the bill, the components. And meaning if I'm the business, am, what's my PO look like to that guy? How am I buying from him? Is there one line item where I'm buying a finished good? Okay, great. I buy finished good, and then I goes to my PL and he distributes it. And, I, and all I get is a finished good with a price on it. I don't deal with any of the components. All I tell them is how many they need. That's a pretty simple model, right? Because they manage all of that stuff. It's their formulas. It's their recipes. Well, is it? Okay, so now outsource engineering. So you get the complexity. Now, if we bring it in-house, now, same thing. They're doing all of it, but now I'm managing all the materials. I need a system that tracks that. These are POs to people, shipping to them. They're a warehouse, right? A consignment, some kind of a warehouse. I'm tracking it. How am I reconciling the warehouse? Am I losing material? 
because it never I never see it. Um, and, and again, the that's the big example. And as we bring it back and say, maybe it's one process, right? Maybe I'm I'm doing nine out of 10 things. And in the middle of it, I got to go somewhere and powder coat, heat treat, who knows, some finishing, something. It goes somewhere and comes back in the door. And in a, in a really good manufacturing system, there's a routing and an operation that's, this one's tied to a work center. It says outsource and it links to a vendor that somewhere there's an item that defines what you're how the service cost is coming in and it links to a PO. And when you bring in that PO with the material that's coming back in, it really elegantly can drop the cost into that operation, mark the operation complete. So you think about the importance of what I just said is continuous. It's out. Where's it at? Comes back in, completes the operation. And the costing model is intact. Anything short of that, there's people doing POs for the services. They're booking them to expense. Maybe it's hitting the P&L, but at the product level, they have inaccurate costing. So Again, this is a rabbit hole, and uh, again, there's a lot of pieces we could talk about there, but the, the complexities of managing outsourcing, and again, does it automatically, when it hits the operation, create the PO? What about the shipping ticket? There's another outsourcing feature. How do I move it there? How do I move it back? Are those costs being captured as part of that line item? Again, it's a PO that drops the cost on the operation. So 1,000 pieces, it could have some extra costs on that PO that could also be Again, we're back to costing precision and then, uh, again, reconciliation, right? Tories, costing. Again, a lot more we can talk about. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting starting point. And you actually provided uh, some layers there, which are very interesting. And I think we are going to have room for a little debate there. And that's what I personally like, to be honest, okay? In terms of what is defined as the outside process management versus uh, the more generic term in my mind, when I think about it, you know, it's um, it's definitely your subcontract contracting process. But Chris, when you were trying to describe this, you were trying to say, you know what, if you are going to have your manufacturing subcontracting, obviously that's one that shall be started. But then you could have the other type of subcontracting as well. For example, one of the things that you mentioned is in the professional services space that you could have. Uh, you uh, could be dealing with 10 different vendors in the construction. Uh, you could be dealing with 10 different vendors, as, uh, you know, in the professional services space. But then Absolutely. you mentioned one example about the 3PL as well. So in my mind, when you look at the ERP processes, even though that is all subcontract functionality, but I don't know if they, that goes through the same outside process management. It does not. Because out, out, outside process management is very specific. Functionality. Yeah. Manufacturing, like, where you've got an outsourced operation, is pretty precise. And then in the professional services space, I wrote in here the, pro- the contracts and the projects. And within the projects, the work breakdown structure, the line items a task. And again, it goes out to a PO that's linked to a vendor, maybe a, non, a non-worker. There's another example of outsourcing. And whether that's an individual line item task to a, an individual worker or to a corporation to corporation, but there's another example of your your subcontract and a portion of a project. And, and again, manufacturing domain. But again, we I said payroll, ecom, point of sale vendors. Again, you can have a lot of that. And I think the interesting thing about this business model is it's pretty slick. It's like, what do you do? Somebody's building the stores. Somebody's taking that inventory and repackaging it. And then somebody's shipping it. And somebody's doing your EDI. And they're they're just counting money, I think. So anyway, a lot to be said about outsourcing and yeah. managing it efficiently. I think that's the good. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. Uh, so Mark, I'm actually coming to you. So now I am going to be asking your perspective in terms of where you think you sort of draw the line. So there are going to be many different flavors of subcontracting, as Chris pointed out. But I don't know if everything is going to be called outside process management. Because when you think about, let's say, dropshipping, dropshipping is a very different process, even though 
in my mind drop shipping is also subcontracting anything that you are doing with vendors is probably subcontracting uh, but that is probably not outside process management because in my mind when i think about the outside process management there has to be some sort of inventory exchange it is going to be a fraction of your bomb that you are uh, trying to work with your vendor and that's what i think of the outside process management i don't know whether you guys agree with me or not so mark uh, over to you what are your thoughts yeah i i i agree completely um in the context of manufacturing it's about um material right it's you you have some material and um you're you're going to add value to that material right and your internal uh routing steps your internal operations um but then at some point it could be the first very first operation you get raw material and you send it out or certainly a midstream operation you're going to send that material out to another company uh, for which there's a lead, you know, an obligation of the PO and the, and the, and the billing and all, all the rest of it, as Chris described. And then, and then at some point, they're going to add their value to it and ship it back to you. Okay. So um, as, as we know, the, the scheduling within the four walls of an organization is hard enough, right? And there's, is, if, if you miss the, the scheduling talk we had a few weeks ago, right? The the big thing is the amount of variability in in a a, a, a plan or a schedule and and just the pure production execution. Now you're introducing a third party and maybe many third parties, maybe many third parties within the process of a build or manufacturing an item. And now it gets very very complex and and having a tremendous amount of variability. So um, so you need to manage that, right? And so you, you need to manage when you need to get that material out to your outside provider. Um, and then they and then you're you're gonna you're gonna take something that they tell you kind of at face value. Um, maybe you have a, a, a data value in your database now for hey I'm sending this out to heat for example and it's going to be out for 10 days. Okay. Um, that's what you have the last time somebody did, you know, an RFQ against that particular supplier, right? Um, it may not be their most recent lead time. Maybe they're, you know, uh, booked up like most manufacturers. So it's really going to be 20 days, right? Um, and then there's the, the, the variability of the, uh, of the quantity. Well, I'm, I'm doing a run now and I typically do a run of 10 pieces that I send out to them and they, they tell me 10 days and it's pretty good. But this time I got this big order. I'm doing 50 pieces now. Am I going to assume it's still going to be 10 days? Well, I, I don't know. I should probably check with them, right? So, and and then it's just the whole, you know, well, how accurate are we internally with our delay, right? Our, you know, reality is I'm 70, 80% on time. What sort of answer am I going to get from my outside supplier? Can I really take that date to the bank that's going to get that material back to me so I can continue on the processes that I still need to do in, in internal to get get it out the door for me. So there's a tremendous amount of variability and risk management involved. Um, the the other part of it is is how and, and what what we see and it's very interesting is um, you have uh, a number of outside suppliers, maybe one in one or two in particular that you're sending many different parts out to a, from many different jobs, right? So, so now you're, you're sending many different lots, many different materials out to this one outside supplier. And they probably, they certainly have other companies sending stuff to them as well. How did they know their priority, right? Let, let alone, let alone for everybody, 
But how do they know the priorities for what you're sending, right? Are they going to assume first first in, first out type of priority? Is that the right priority? Do you have certain batches? Uh, you have a rush job? Do you, how, how do you communicate that to them that this should take priority over everything else I've already sent you, right? That should be personal. So these are the um, these are the, the the difficult and challenging things about um, managing outside process for sure. So there are a lot of different layers there, uh, Mark, in your uh, commentary, and uh, we are going to touch on some of those at a deeper level. Obviously, the vendor communication and the supply chain, we all know how bad it is right now. You know, it's a nightmare to in, in the supply chain space and, and, and predicting and forecasting uh, your parts. That is not easy at all. Um, so when we look at the, the whole vendor collaboration piece, there are a lot of different things that uh, companies do to be able to manage that collaboration. It could be EDI-based communication just to communicate, okay, I sent you the order, now you send me the part, and then, you know, I'm going to give you some confirmation. So there's a little, you know, back and forth there. Uh, that could happen in the form of email, it could happen in the uh, form of EDI, uh, or you could do using the vendor portal. So now, when you are trying to fit this layer of outside process management, so I don't know where this sort of, you know, fits <laughs> into this whole uh, you know, collaboration, because, you know, you have many different collaboration there. So one is based on your order workflow, financial sort of collaboration, then you have engineering sort of collaboration. But this is very production centric collaboration that I like to think outside process management. So in your opinion, where does it fit in the technology when I look at you know, email versus EDI versus the, the vendor portals. Mark, any, any thoughts? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You've got and you've got three avenues there and it kind of falls into, you know, what level of digital transformation the client's in. But it also falls into the company size, certainly what type of manufacturer they are. Certainly, you know, autom when you hear EDI automotive comes to mind if they're, you know, doing it doing with GM or, uh, you know, Ford or whomever, they, they have to do EDI. Right. So that's that's a given. Um, uh, and mo most companies, if they don't have to, they're they're going to revert back to, you know, email or or even phone for that communication. Right. But um, but but the portal that you mentioned is a, a terrific idea. And, and what what you don't see often, but is really nice when you do is is that that portal of because we we've. Uh, and there are certain third parties out there that have supplier portals, right? So when you need a material, it goes right out to the, to the supplier and you can see that from material. But you don't often see that for the outside services. But like like I mentioned, in terms of communicating those priorities, a supplier portal for your outside service providers is huge. So now they can see you know, all the orders that they have that you have out with them. And now you can show them also what the what your priority for them is for for all those. Amazing! Thank you so much, Mark, for that, Dave. I'm actually Dave Dozer. Uh, you know, I'm coming to you right now, and now I cannot decide my priority. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> my priorities are messed up. Sorry. Uh, okay, <laughs> Dave Dozer. Um, so yeah. So overall, from the setup perspective, I don't know if you define the outside process management as what Chris and Mark have already described. I don't know if you are going to have any sort of colors there. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts there by any chance, Dave? Yeah, so generally I, I tend to kind of lean towards Mark's ex explanation there, and, and Chris had a lot of good points there as well. So when I think of outside process, I'm really focused on you know the manufacturing 
piece and not necessarily subcontract in in that regards. Um, but it, it is a very complex and kind of deep sort of subject. So, you know, I, I don't know that I have time to add to what Mark said to that, but, you know, one of the biggest challenges I really think with outside processing is even with a lot of systems that really handle manufacturing well, outside processing, and, and I don't know if over the years of development, it kind of became an afterthought or, you know, it, it's something that just a lot of systems don't handle in the best way. And that's where it becomes a big challenge too, mm-hmm. um, especially to what y'all were saying, you know, with the EDI and that exchange of information, you know, you're working a lot with small, mid-sized type of companies and you're relying on that email and you're relying on those phone calls. So you kind of end up, you're sending product out and it kind of goes into this big black hole, so to speak, and, and you're chasing down vendors. Um, and it just becomes a challenge to, to reconcile that, um, you know, with the with the ERP system. And, and a lot of times, like, in fact, we, we do some work with kind of an older legacy system, does a great job job with routings and, you know, work centers and all of that, but really kind of falls down on the outside process um, side of things. And all the time, you know, we're, we're going to try to receive POs and we've closed the job out already, you know, so there's kind of this whole disconnect um, on the systemic side. And, and that's where, you know, I think Dave Griffith talk about it a lot too, you know, a lot of folks have had to kind of put in workarounds, hacks, you know, so to speak, to to make that whole process flow, to get the costing appropriate to, you know, shoot, even create a shipment to a vendor. And, you know, so it becomes a very large and tangled um, process a lot of times. And, you know, if you even get deeper to where Mark mentions the more complex um, type of scenarios, I mean, if you get into situations where you're sending it for outside processing and then to compound drop shipping on top of that, maybe that vendors sending it on to your customer, depending on the situation, maybe a final inspection type of thing. So it can be very convoluted to reconcile the real life with the uh, with the system side of it. Yeah. So there are some very interesting layers there. And you touched on a very important point that you are probably going to have a lot of system conflict. The example that you mentioned is closing of the job before you receive the PO. Uh, you know, that's not pretty at all. Uh, you probably need to spend a lot of time in reconciling these things. But when I look at the, the, the comment that you made overall from the evolution of the outside process management perspective. So yes, you are right that some systems don't really support that process natively. But when I think of the, the process, the process is also getting evolved over the period of time. So let's say if you went back 10 years back, the outside process management exchange was not as complex because people were sort of, you know, the way business was done, you know, simple, I'll send you the inventory, you take care of that, you know, and then we are not going to make the transaction as complex. But as the cost pressures are there in the market, what is happening is now we are sort of peeling the layers there. Okay, so I am going to own the inventory until this point. And then after that, you own the inventory because now we have the layer of insurance. Then we have the layer of shipping that, you know what, you take care of the shipping or I take care of the shipping. Is it going to be my inventory? Am I going to be shipping the part to you or you are going to be shipping the part? So this becomes very, very, very involved transaction and and, and complex. So Dave, I don't know if you are going to have any more thoughts there with the evolution uh, or and the complexity of outside process management. No, I, I, I think that's spot on and, and goes back to kind of maybe the, the why behind some systems don't handle that as well. You know, to your point, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it, it wasn't as complex as it is today. And I think part of that too is where, you know, some manufacturers have become much more kind of 
doubled down, so to speak, and, and specialized. And we've worked with some folks and, you know, they're like, well, we, we can do this certain process, whether it's maybe a plating process um, or even some of like a specialized testing. But over the years, they've even phased that out of their manufacturing process. They've said, you know what, we're, we're not going to worry about doing this plating. Um, you know, so now we're starting to outsource that from a cost perspective um, to keep costs down. Again, you're talking about the ownership of inventory, you know, trying to keep the less inventory on hand and just to kind of help streamline their own process. So over time, it has evolved into consequently a more systemically complex um, type of process. You know, even, um, you know, painting is a is a great example of that, you know, because customers years ago, they'd, they'd have a whole section, you know, with the paint booths and, and, and the racks and doing all that internally, but it just made more sense to start to out sort of um, activities. And along with that, you know, comes the complexity, the timing, the managing of that inventory, the shipping of it and all of that. So, you know, I think that goes back to why there's maybe some gaps, you know, in some of the out there. And, you know, even as you look at some of the more modern ones, there's still some some gaps here and there um, with those, just because I, I think it's something that's constantly evolving um, in the manufacturing. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for that. So, Dave Tiffet, I'm coming to you, and you are definitely going to have that OT layer and the yeah. Industry 4.0. And when we look at the Industry 4.0, things are going to be even more complex overall from the outside process management perspective, right? And there are too many layers there from the OT perspective. <laughs> Number mm. one is going to be, if you really think about the cost exchange, I don't know how this is going to evolve to me. Okay, maybe in the future, there is going to be a sensor on the inventory that you are sending. <laughs> so there could be crazy scenarios there. And then we have the cybersecurity issues as well. So I don't know, Amiti, do you have any thoughts there overall? Absolutely. So so I have, I have a lot of thoughts. First, I want to say, I think that Chris and Mark and you, Sam and Dave, all put together like a really good outline of best case scenario, right? So we've, we've got a newer system and we can lay out the linear, you know, what the schedule is supposed to be. And like, we've got processes and we send the, we send the same items to the same vendors all the time and a newer system that can do all of that. That has not been my experience uh, in life, right? So a lot of times, even a newer system, it could be that we put a newer system in. Maybe we, well, we almost certainly didn't spend enough on the consultant or the group going to implement the ERP to actually get the whole process out. Or maybe we couldn't value stream and draw our entire process out because we can't draw our process out of normal common variations and processes that we send out, we have kind of gaps. And so now we've got these gaps and we've got workarounds and the workarounds are in notes and we are relying on, you know, the shipping person to go see this note in and amongst a hundred other notes um, on the shipping document and send it off to, you know, the special person or special outside person uh, for kind of a lot of special cause uh, variability. And I think Mark had a really good point uh, when he talked about variability, right? So most processes, if we do the same thing over and over again, they're much easier to capture uh, on the outside. If we are not doing the same thing over and over again, then it becomes much more difficult in order to capture. And that's where I find a lot of mistakes being made. And so when I made the joke in the beginning about yelling um, to the ERP people, right? So, so yell, yelling to the people saying, hey, we, we made this mistake. It's almost always because we're a smaller company. We've got an older system that we don't quite understand how to do this. Or it's the, 
hey, I have this one really important piece in a batch of 10,000, and this one has to be shipped somewhere else so that it can come back in. And then we've got to mark it specially and, and send it out. But we didn't do any of the work on the, the front or the back end of the ERP in order to go kind of notate all of those things. And so the, the biggest issues that I see in kind of the, the outside uh, processes are when we when we look at the kind of the special cause variability. And when we find the special cause variability, that's where 90 plus percent of the issues th- that I find uh, occur. So very interesting layer there. And I don't know, Amiti, you may want to expand a little bit more overall from the variability perspective. I don't know how many mm-hmm. people are really familiar with what that means overall from the ERP pros perspective. So, or uh, if you have a story, maybe share a story so that it makes a little sense. Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've got I've got a couple of stories, right? Uh, I, I will I will change names to protect the, the not innocent as I do most of the time. Uh, so, so w- one of the stories uh, when we go to talk about the shipping is actually me me personally, right? So um, I, I was I was running the supply chain for a mid single digit million dollar uh, manufacturer's rep company. And for whatever reason, we had this special one-off uh, PLC come in, right? So, so the PLC comes in, and typically we go send it directly to the customer. We had the, the last hundred times that I had been there. But there was just a single note that said, hey, please send to this person to go program, and then that person will send it back in, and then we'll go send it to the customer. But there were no transactional pieces of information in there, right? And so without the transactional pieces of information in there, all I did in the, the stack of 500 things that had to go get sent out was say, oh, hey, this goes to X customer like the last 100 were supposed to go. So so that I look at is kind of a special cause uh, variation to, to the standards. Um, another piece of, of variability, I, I, we were talking about painting, right? So I, I've done some work with, uh, with companies that, uh, that make beer. Right. And so uh, lots of times you'll either get pre-printed cans. Right. So you order them by a million. You can you can sleeve them or you can put stickers on them and you can make that as small as you want. Every once in a while, you'll find a very expensive small run and they're like digitally screen printed. Right. You, you can only ever do like a couple of pallets of because it believe it or not, becomes way too expensive to print more than two pallets. So, so that their special, uh, their special thing is like 15,000 cans or, uh, or thereabouts. And so there is sometimes when you get those, you have to go through an extra step in order to check the quality because 10% of the time th- there is an issue with the printing and they go and run through the machines and everything that has been screen printed on it just gets scraped off. And so you, you go and at the end of the day, you've got 15,000 cans of everything has been scraped off. So th- that is kind of another variation of, of incoming raw materials. And when I were to, when I would to go through one of those steps, it becomes an extra step of, hey, we've got to check the quality of these cans before we're ready to run because there is such high variability of these cans. And because when they run, they run well. But when there are issues, you have to scrap everything and start over from scratch and you, you lose a huge opportunity uh, for those runs. Uh, you lose a huge opportunity for those runs. Did, did that Was that a good job explaining uh, variability or oh, maybe negative variability, Sam? That was a very good job. Thank you so much, uh, Dave, for that. And and Mark, uh, I think you want me to do yourself, so I don't know if you have a story uh, that, or anything that you want to share. 
and guys i mean uh, you know feel free to unmute yourself if you have any comment or uh, a story you know you can always take that mark did you have a uh, comment i was just going to expand a little bit on yeah. on variability and then and then give give an example of that too was um you know first and foremost when we when we talk about manufacturing in north america in particular i think you know, i'd say 90% plus of you know one to a hundred million dollar sized companies are you know custom in some fashion they're make to order they're 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 not making widgets right so it's not it's not repetitive and so so therein is the initial stance of variability right everything's different every every time they take an order it's something different so those processes are going to be different too and wherever outside services or outside processing falls in the overall process of that build of that custom item you can imagine that it's just hugely variable how much and when and, and if and how you know that material now needs to go out right so so that's um that's a that's a big thing i've worked with a number of clients where where the visibility of what does need to go out what's what's ready to be grabbed and sent out to the outside supplier you know because there's there's a certain operation where once that's done um it's time to get it outside, right? But if you don't have that visibility, then that material may just, you know, may just sit at the opera at the at the work center where it was last worked on, right? Kind of waiting for somebody to find it, or or maybe it's dropped in a staging area or a temporary whip area or something. Because remember, all this we we talk about that being inventory, but it's really not. That it, it's whip, right? That material is still whip. It's whip when it goes out. It's whip when it comes back. So it's not. It's hard to keep visibility of where that is. You mentioned the sensors, right? And that's that's no joke. I mean, I've had a number. I haven't had a client actually do it, but I've had a number re- really think about it because, you know, be able to see on the screen, beep, beep, little device. Where, where is that stuff? I can see for the system that somebody reported that operation complete. The next one is an outside service, but I can't find the material to grab it and send it out. Right. That is a problem. So I, I, I would add on to, to Mark's comment. I have actually built those those systems. Right. So mostly for extremely high value items. Uh, and a lot of times we do RFID tags on them. Uh, there's been Bluetooth and other solutions that have come forward in the last five years. Uh, 10, 11 years ago, I worked on a project. Uh, we were making uh, we were making slot machines. Right. And so they, it was determined that the slot machines were high enough of a value that we RFID tagged kind of all of the slot machines and in many cases the, the sub-assemblies within the slot machines so that we could make sure that we knew uh, what all of that looked like. So th- there are a number of companies moving in that direction. As we see the cost of RFID tags and like uh, Bluetooth and other tags come down, uh, a lot of times they're like two to five cents is the most recent as to what I scoped it out as. But as we see those continue to come down, once you've got widgets in the thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of value, it makes sense to know where they are because losing $5,000 of work in progress is is half a machine, right? And most of the time we don't lose half of one machine. Most of the time we lose like a thousand halves of machine uh, when, when we make things in volume. And especially if we are going through the process of batching them, um, as we talked about briefly. So there are certainly companies uh, moving towards that. And especially for high value product, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
it's not just losing the material. It's also the, the time that people spend looking for it. It's, it's a it's a tremendous waste if that if it's not under control. Amazing commentary, guys. Uh, so we'll take one more round. And Chris, I'm actually going to come back to you. And uh, this time, it's going to be if you have any stories uh, uh, that you might be able to share, any best practices, uh, comments over comments, or my personal favorite, which is going to be Story over a story. Chris. So, you know, some of the comments that were made, though, just feedback is systems, you know, checking your partner. And again, who is this partner you're partnering with? And the systems technology. And when you say variability, I think about completely different things like their fat finger in your order and they screwed it up. And you go back to right. You said email EDI portals. They're all inefficient mechanisms. And I think the, the point even Dave said, small companies, they can't afford the integration. So, so it puts you into an interesting position, I think, as you look at integration technologies. And that's the story is or the lack thereof, and who manages the process, right? So I think you have to decide, okay, what business are you in? There's always that conversation as you're outsourcing. And we've talked a lot about just one operation, but there is still the, the bulk where they're managing all the operation. But then the question is, what part am I managing? Even that, the systems integration, you know, is even to that outsourced one line item on your routing. Now, if I think about it in the bigger scale, imagine you're building an aircraft. There's a lot of outsourced partners, the coordination. Mark brought it up, the scheduling, put it in my top. That, that in integration with the vendor and the partner, how do you get the real time or closer to real time? Do they key it in? And again, how big are you to them? And I think, you know, I heard variability is we're changing. It's a new bomb. It's new. It's new. They're, now, they're an outsourced manufacturer dealing with variability as well. But that, that pushes us more to how do we verify empirically that systems are in sync? Right. Or that we have the communication, the minimum communication to effectively manage the business, because otherwise we're blind. And I think me, I'm, I'm, I'm from an accounting perspective, I can't see whip. How do I see my whip? How do I reconcile and just connecting the dots? Is, is it all about customer service? Are we checking the output on the final end or is it all going well? Where's where's the, the, the issues in the process? Um, again, the story is you look at just that model where we can build a business with great complexity coordinating a, a series of outsourced partners, whether that's for the entire manufacturing process or the distribution or the EDI or the e-com or the point of sale. I think it's a great story. I'm an entrepreneur, right? And we're looking at, but it's that systems integration technology we're talking about again. And me pushing on, well, what are you using to run your business? The 3PL. Oh, I'm using QuickBooks. Okay, I got a problem. You're not, you're not my 3PL because... You know, your business could fail because the partner you pick. So I think that that's kind of the moral with hearing from me based on my experience is you got to push on these guys and you got to get into the integration conversation side. You know, again, let's use this example where they're doing the big box orders. Well, where are the orders? These guys don't have a sales order module. Well, who keeps my order history? Isn't that my paper? Isn't that my IP? So then there's a, the whole conversation about information. Sam, as you, as you outsource certain parts of your process. Anyway, I could go on on, like I said, uh, the complexity is uh, it's probably worth the payoff because, again, in the end of the day, we're analyzing profitability on the processes. If I do it myself, can I be as efficient as the guy outside? That's the key detail. How do you control? Yeah, so very interesting uh, details there. And one of the things that I don't think anybody has brought up so far that we have seen in our space, and I don't know how common that is, to be honest. So I am looking to get some some perspective there. And and Dave Griffith, I think you are going to have some, some inputs there as well, to be honest, because this is more of the manufacturing problem. So one of the things that we encounter in our space is going to be when you are working with these partners, obviously you are going to send them their inventory, their spec, you know, okay, this is the part that I am trying to build. But even in the case of manufacturing, you require the context in how this part is going to be used in the overarching bomb that you might be building. Because if you don't provide that visibility, sometimes there is going to be deviation. So I don't know. I mean, see, in some cases, 
our customers are actually looking for that visibility that I don't even know how you are going to utilize the part. I'm going to build it, but if you cannot use it, that's not my problem. So Chris, I don't know. Um, have you- <laughs> yeah, and I think that by industry, that's going to make a huge difference. I use the example is we're building an M for airframe and the complexities of, you know, I had a, I had a 17,000 line bill of material. You're like, oh, okay, how do you print that out? You don't. And again, even even the orchestration of the sub and the sub and the sub assemblies, multi layers down. And and down here, you got a contractor; they're all making parts, and they all have to come together and fit together perfectly. Um, again, you now you're dealing with precision tolerances. You go back to this communication. I'm talking about integration, but hey, I've got a CAD document. Well, if they're not going to, you know, again, are they going to key it into their ERP with all the specifications and precisions? And then you're concerned that their systems don't have the fields to accept all the micro variables. But again, this is that that push test. Um, but in that example, yeah, to, if, if they're constructing, do they need to see the overarching bomb? Eh, again, it's tolerance, it's precision, there's quality. You know, is there prototyping that happens before they do massive production? I think that, you know, again, does every production process have that? We're going to do a pre-run before we go great guns, right? Is there a prototype? And then we go through quality and measurement and tolerances. Again, by industry, we're high-precision manufacturing. You know, the guys that are putting 10 different colors of every jelly bean in a bag, nah, you know, that's a little little different orchestration. It ranges by industry, to your point, on when I need to see the big picture. Like I said, simple. Put 10 of these, 10 of these, 10 of these in a bag. You're done. That's all you're doing for me. I mean, you're laughing, Dave Griffith, but it's so true. <laughs> And, you know, and they're employing different types of workers there. So skill levels. But again, I think there's this, this push on, on, on vendor validation. And again, I think eyes wide open, right? No trust. Does that help? Amazing. Yeah. It, it does help. Thank it's you not so a much. perfect Thank answer, you. but degrees of complexity is what I'm going to say. And you're going to spend more at the complex end. So, you know, the simple guys, okay, you're going to get by with less cost in your systems technology. The more advanced stuff where you have all these multiple systems, you've got to coordinate it perfectly and precisely. Or it can all implode. I guess that's the thing. If you're doing volume, it can go real south real quick. So. Thank you so much for that. And by the way, no Chris, I don't think there is a clear answer. And uh, we can take uh, you know everybody's opinion if they have uh, a clear answer. But I don't think it exists. Uh, Mark, uh, any comments over comments? Uh, any story? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a beautiful example of the variability. And and what, especially in like an aerospace, you mentioned the building of a plane. But yeah, aerospace suppliers at, at really any level. It's it's critical. And you and you see them. And I, I think most of us have worked with them. And, you know, you if you if you see the level of communication inside the company. Right. It's it's got to be tight inside the company just to make sure things are right. Now you're talking about being able to communicate in the right way. Do they have the right print? Do they have the right revision of the print? Do they have the right material? Um you know, stories, sure, you know, somebody, a, a rev didn't get updated in the system. So when they went to, to ship that, they had, they put in the wrong print when they, when they sent it out to the outside supplier, they did the full build, they got it back. And it wasn't until production where they needed those parts that they realized. And now what does that do? That's, that blows your delivery plan, right? Your schedule. And Never mind the cost. Maybe, maybe the outside supplier will absorb some of it. Probably not if you didn't give them the right information to begin with. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it's huge. So be, being able to control that is uh, is big. Yeah, very interesting. And Mark, from the system perspective, have you seen any specific challenges in the outside process management, uh, uh, you know, issue that companies are dealing with? Uh, any sort of perspective from the system perspective by any chance? 
Yeah, I'd like to um, come back to the cost because I think I think that's important, and yeah. and that the, you know that the ER if if you do if you're a manufacturer and you're doing outside services, be sure that that's you know in the costing system, right? So your your manufacturing costs should be broken down, right? Material, labor, overhead, and a column for those outside services because it is like material; it is a truly variable cost, right? You are you are not incurring that cost unless something's built, right? Whereas as labor and overhead, for example, you're going to incur those costs whether you're building something or not on this work order. And, and that gets back to um, kind of a higher level of costing too that you have to be careful of. And that is, um, unfortunately, there have been um, some very scary stories of, of you know, top level senior management looking at um, a traditional, you know, unit cost model, for example, right, where you're, you're using those four cost categories, material, labor, outside, uh, overhead, out, outside service, and they're looking at the unit cost of each item, right, so where, where the labor and the overhead is, you know, being allocated across this, this part, kind of randomly, right, okay, but you're looking at this unit cost, and and you're saying, okay, what's my what's my profit on it? How does that compare against my sales price? So what's my profit? And then you sort all that. So you sort all those parts by the profitability, and you go, oh my gosh, if I if I if I manufactured this outside, I'd make make a lot more money, right? And and that's that can really skew the financial performance of your company doing that. But unfortunately, there have been a, a number of companies and the books have been written about them that uh, that have gone down that path to uh, to their demise, quite frankly. Yeah, could not agree more. I would say, you know, that it's, it's not just few manufacturers of, you know, when we look at the costing model of a lot of different manufacturers, most of them, uh, you know, even they, even if they might feel that they have it right, they don't. Uh, they they just don't, uh, you know, it's just all over the place. Uh, they don't account for every single cost element and their unit cost is definitely off. And now you are talking about analysis based on that cost. So obviously that is going to be. Thank you so much, Mark, for that. Um, Dave Dozer, uh, any stories uh, related to outside process management? Comments over comments. Yeah, I'll, I'll add a little bit to the question you posed there, Sam. And while there definitely isn't a, isn't a right or wrong answer or, or an easy answer to it specifically, um, you know, sometimes that that form fit function and final use does matter a lot in the outside process we um you know work specifically with like a valve manufacturer that is part of an outside process and you know they have to know what the final use of that product is because that's going to vary slightly how they treat it and what to do with it because otherwise it won't work when it's out in the out in the field so you know going back to that theme of communication and communication internally communication externally with um with suppliers and being you know really important and kind of talking about comments over comments there and and thoughts around that you know i think the the big challenge with outside processing is kind of taking a lot of things that uh, mark and, and chris had mentioned about the costing and the accounting side and how important that is and then it's kind of where dave was more on the operation side and the getting stuff done and you know i kind of see myself in between there on, on an it side this is one of those processes that kind of always have to walk a thin line with and becomes more and more complex as you try to get more of it into the system because you need that costing you need that traceability you need that communication but as you put things into an ERP system that sometimes can have a, you know, I don't want to say adverse because obviously we sell ERP and we're advocates for ERP, but at the end of the day, there's, there's folks out on the shop floor trying to make stuff 
get it shipped out as quickly as possible and get it done. And, and every transaction that you ask someone to do is slowing them down from, you know, making a, a cut on a piece of steel or, you know, doing part of their daily process. So when you're looking at your outside processes and getting all that aligned, it's super important to, you know, not just be the ERP folks and the the air conditioned windows up there that Dave's yelling at. You know, you've got to make that align with what's really happening in real life and, and try to strain that and be as possible, which it's it's easy to say when we're all sitting on a on a meeting here, but it gets a lot more complicated with real life and on the shop floor and getting all that um lined up. Yeah, so one thing I would mention here is you have earned a friend here in the form of Dave Griffith. You know, anytime <laughs> you are going to be talking about in the favor of shop yeah. floor, Dave Griffith is probably going to like that. And I was thinking that this is probably going to be a Dave problem, but it's turning out to be a Dave friendship or Dave love here. Hey, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 setting I'm setting you up to um head out of the park there, Dave. So. <laughs> 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 okay, amazing. So Dave, uh, Dozer, I'm going to have one more follow-up question uh-huh. for you, and that is going to be uh, any sort of best practices that you have seen. Obviously, we are noticing a lot of complexity uh, with the outside process management process, uh, but then you can also streamline your process uh, to make sure that you don't run into all of those. So have you seen any sort of best practices in terms of how companies should be dealing with it? I, I think the word streamline there is is optimal in that, you know, you want the system to do as much as possible. And, you know, going back to the variability, that's, that's tough to do sometimes. But you want to make sure, you know, it kind of goes back to cleanliness of data, um, routing set up properly, that you've got the right vendors to things, that you've got the right material set up so that you can allow the, the system to flow and function properly and not kind of create these hiccups and issues folks trying to actually do that. And a lot of times that goes back to, you know, engineering, communicating effectively with purchasing, um, master data maintenance and keeping things clean and, um, you know, kind of plumbed up properly because that is an area too that it's easy sometimes to set up initially in the beginning and then you know two years later it mess again because really kind of managed that outside process so you know like a lot of things it's about um you know staying on top of and following you know have that snop and and follow that operating amazing insights there thank you much dave uh for that so dave griffith i'm actually coming to you uh any stories i know you have already shared a story so but you are going to have a million i guess uh, there, there are there there are always more stories uh so i, I was laughing at chris's uh chris's comment with the, the sugar factories right so I've, I've been to a couple of, of sugar factories as i call them and they, they make compressed they make sugar candies of, of all different types i i was laughing because i've never been to a place that my eyes burned more uh, than walking into one of those factories. They've got like citric acid. And so citric acid kind of like uh, aerosolized into the air with a whole bunch of sugar. Um, my, my eyes have never burned more on a factory floor uh, th- than when I was there. So uh, I, I'm very happy that I didn't have to do the retrofit uh, on that system. It uh, would have been uh, fairly painful. Uh, I, I think everyone brought up some really good topics. Uh, and I think for me, at the end of the day, it comes down to communication and strong leadership is key in all of these outside processes. Whether we can nail down the outside processes in the ERP or we can't nail down the outside processes in the ERP, you need to have good communications. You need to communicate with the vendors, whether you send 
a thousand widgets to a vendor and you're going to get them at 10 a piece and they're all going to be different colors or whatever that looks like. You have to have strong communication uh, with them and, and good relationships. Uh, so uh, I think Chris made the comment of 17,000 lines of the BOM and, and Sam, uh, you, you had also made, made a comment uh, to, to that. And so my story, I, I can tell on this because it was a client. Um, who, who has run into this issue and I can't really tell anywhere else. So um, I, I can tell the story here. So they have a new line coming in, right? So this line was purchased two and a half years ago and it's way behind as, as most things are, right? So at, at some point it becomes readily apparent no one has managed this project either on the uh, either on the end user side, on the, my, my client side, or or their vendor, right? The person that was supposed to manage this project. So at some point you go through, you start looking at drawings, you go start looking at this. And most of the conveyors have, uh, have kind of the, the U-shaped uh, pieces that are going to hold all the cabling down, down the right-hand side, right? Except about 100 feet that are coming in from Mexico, a subcontractor, which are going down the left-hand side because they were working on revisions from about 12 months ago, and the work uh, and the all of the drawings were re-revised but never sent out, you know, six months ago. So th that is just kind of one of those. Now it's going to take two months, and someone is going to spend a lot of money uh, in order to go fix that problem. And at the end of the day, everyone loses, right? Everyone loses because we lack this communication of, hey, these are the drawing revisions. Let's confirm that we're all working off of the, the latest drawing revision as, uh, as we go down the, this process. So uh, again, communication, I find is absolutely when we are working with outside vendors, whether it's it's within the system itself or whether it's outside of the system for some of these, these workarounds that, uh, that we talk about. So very interesting story there. Love the the sugar factory, to be honest. I mean, that was amazing. Okay. Uh, but the uh, communication piece that you mentioned, uh, and I want to peel just one layer there. So when we talk about communication, obviously, you can be very precise and clear with the communication. But even after that, you are probably going to fail. And I'll tell you one scenario where you might fail when you are not going to have your connected systems. So let's say if you have, and this is about your example, Dave. Uh, when you have multiple styles, multiple parts, and you are trying to communicate that, if you're going to have vendor cross-ref, then probably your life is going to be easy. The systems are going to be connected. Your life is going to be easy. But let's say I send you a part number 12345, Dave, and you understand 12345 is something different. <laughs> you interpreted that. You did something. You sent it back, and then we are fighting, okay? Because this is money involved, right? Because this is manufacturing. This is not software. Uh, there, there's going to be a real money here. So, Dave, uh, you know, have you seen any sort of best practices when you talk about discommunication and the conflict uh, that I just mentioned? Uh, absolutely. So I find that a lot of, of that kind of boils down to the relationship, right? The the best outside process that, that I've worked with myself is is groups that we have a very good relationship. And, you know, we go through the process, confirm this is what we have. And and most of the time, everyone realizes that there are going to be hiccups on the first of the run or maybe the first couple of the runs. Yeah. And we've all built in margin, if you will, cost, because there are going to be issues, right? So lots of, we might send over an extra three so that they can do some processes on those first three to make sure that it's going to work as part of the overall system. 
the the best approach that I see is building these kind of long-term relationships with vendors. The biggest issue that I find where people start arguing over money is if it's uh, if it's a one-off or we've never worked together or I think I'm going to need five of one part and we're never going to talk again, then then Sam you're like, "Hey, this part 1 2 3 4 5 I did what you said. Here's what you said. This is what I did. And you're like, I'm not going to go remake these because I'm not going, I'm going to lose money and we're never going to do work together. And I'm like, Sam, this is what I said. Part one, two, three, four, five is here. Look at this email as the, the one before or the one above on the email chain. And I'm not going to budge any, any, because I only want five and we're never going to come talk about it ever again. So it's very much, I think at at the end of the day, there are going to be miscommunications and especially in manufacturing, in my experience, a lot of it is the relationship, right? And so you have to build strong relationships with your vendors and with the people that you work together with. And those relationships are going to be what helps get you through those, those problems. And beyond that, you're going to have to realize that there will be miscommunications. And as much as we'd all love to make money on every single part that we sell, at some point, we're not going to make money on something, and that's going to be the right choice for the longevity of either our business or your business or the relationship. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dave, for that. So the only thing we can take right now is going to be closing advice. Uh, Chris, what would be your closing advice, please? You know, a lot of good comments, Dave Griffith. And, you know, I the term I would use is you're looking for partnerships, not vendors. That's yep. really the defining difference. And depending on the reliance on these partners, you're going to check their systems capabilities and make sure that they've got the right systems in place to be accountable to. And I think that's the first part of it. And then if your own back office ERP system doesn't have the capability to manage those outsourced processes, raise your hand and ask your professional and he'll have some ideas on workarounds that'll help you at least control it, manage it. And again, maybe future state, you get a, a function in there that helps you manage it more closely so you get good costing. Thanks so much, Chris, for that. Uh, Mark, what is going to be your closing advice, please? So um, acknowledge, anticipate, even embrace variability right? Um, the way our dynamic production method does this is by utilizing buffers to establish that, to, to acknowledge that based on the level of variability you might anticipate. Those drive priorities. That drives visibility so that everybody can see what's most in danger of being sent out to that outside supplier too late. And then there's buffers on the incoming side too. So we can, so yeah, he always says 10 days, but really it's more typically 13 to 7. And in this fashion, you're able to actually control and more accurately predict your on time. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Mark, for that. Uh, Dave Dozer, what is going to be your closing advice, please? Yeah, great great advice from everyone. I would just say the the key here is, you know, aligning those those things happening in real life to the ERP system. And, you know, like everyone else mentioned, um, you know, creating those strong partnerships with, with those um, suppliers so it's more partner than a supplier. Could not agree more. Thank you so much, Dave, uh, for that. Dave Griffith, what would be your closing advice? Absolutely. I would say that you, as an organization, generally have a standard process. Do the best that you possibly can to map out what that standard process looks like and create your ERP, create whatever system you use as close to that standard process as you possibly can, realizing that, as we've talked about, that there is going to be variability. There are going to be mistakes and and build, as, as Chris and I were saying, kind of those relationships with your solutions providers and with your vendors so that when there are issues, you can pick up the phone and call a person on the other side in order to 
solve those problems. Love it. Uh, so that's it for today, guys. Uh, and if you joined for the first time, this was part of our digital transformation series for which we meet every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with another topic. On that note, thanks, everyone, for your time and insights. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank you, everyone. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests, and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Chris Garadini, head over to turnkeychack.com. It's C-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Dozer, head over to blazeitweb.com. It's B-L-A-C-E-I-T-W-E-B.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Griffith, head over to dave-griffith.com. It's D-A-V-E-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H.com. If you want to learn more about Mark Lilly, head over to lillyworks.com. It's L-I-L-L-Y-W-O-R-K-S.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Sleman Alab, who shares his insights into industrial data ops and why companies need an operational control tower to gain insights into centralized process efficiencies. Also, the interview with Dave Roth, who shares his insights into the importance of condition monitoring for your critical equipment, why that is important for Industry 4.0 initiatives. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.